welcome to the Agile BI podcast, where we chat with guests or sometimes just to ourselves about being agile with teams who are delivering data, analytics, and visualizations. Good morning, folks. Well, today we're joined by Juan Dion, who has started working with me as a trainee Scrum Master. So um, Juan's been with me for about a month now, and I just want to um, find out his first impressions of Agile, how we deal with Agile, what things we can actually improve on, and what things we're doing really well. So um, we'll start off by saying congratulations for getting the job for starters, but welcome here. Thank you very much, uh, Blair, for the interaction, and thank you for the congratulations. Uh, It's been a very good month so far. And discussing impressions, well, we've already had a few conversations uh, along the the few instances of Scrum that we've seen uh, throughout this time. Um, I guess that we mentioned, for instance, uh, yesterday about the daily stand-up, and that we have a couple of people that are very technical people that get along and sometimes kind of get into deep details and, and, and don't favor the use of, of the stand-up in, in actually the intended way. Uh, and I guess that that's just uh, the constant effort of the Scrum Master to maintain uh, certain ground rules and, and making sure the develop, development team is able to, to go through them. That's right. And um, I think when you start to come along to retrospectives, we'll talk about those things, you know, like... Um, I try and get something tangible for us to work on out of each retrospective. So um, in the past we've had, you know, let's try and make the stand-ups no more than 15 minutes um, and have some sort of um, signal to the to the technical people that you talk about to just, um, you know, keep it at a high level and take it offline after the um, stand-up. So you guys finding that they're starting to problem-solve so rather than just giving a status update of where they're at? Are they starting to deep dive into actually, here's a problem and I'm going to go work on it, but the team in the stand-up are starting to now actually discuss the issue and start to troubleshoot or problem solve as a group? Yeah. 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 So um, Shane would really like your sort of um, expertise on this um, because sometimes it's really good stuff that they're discussing and you sort of, you've got some team members that start to, their eyes start to glaze over because it's not actually anything that they know about or anything that's their their sort of expertise. But then again, you're actually uh, solving proper problems, so it's finding that balance, I suppose. Yeah, and look, we see it all the time. So, you know, people start off, they're they're not used to the stand-up, so you take them through what a stand-up's about, you tell them it's 15 minutes, what I did today, what I'm doing tomorrow, any problems. Um, And because they're new, you know, it's all fresh and and they kind of follow that process. And then after a while, you know, uh, they get familiar and comfortable and and they start regressing off into um, more of a, of a grooming process or a troubleshooting process. Best thing I've ever found is just bring it back during the uh, retrospective, right? Say, hey, look, we've seen this behaviour. 
um, you know, they're starting to get too long, um, they're not for the for the purpose of problem solving. So um, remind the team, bring them back to, to cut it off, and then let them go straight after for the people that are interested in, and solve that problem. You might want to start a parking lot, right? So you might want to, um, you know, as they start deep diving, just say, hold that, I'll just put a sticky up here as a parking lot so you guys at the end um, can discuss it and see if that just um, brings the behaviour back to the behaviour yeah, that the team should want. Yeah, that's good because um, especially in our organisation, I see um, a lot of other teams starting to do stand-ups and um, it's not agile at all because they can drag on for quite a bit and... As a um, an agile practitioner, I'm wondering if I can sort of bring that discipline to them and just say, "Hey, I notice that your stand-ups are going for half an hour, and um, especially when you're talking with developers and testers, they just want to get shit done, don't they?" So yeah, and the other one to obviously is go and uh, and watch how the, the those teams are behaving for a while because you know often people do just a stand-up and they say they're agile. Right? Yeah. They don't bring any of the other ceremonies, any of the other process, any of the team behaviours to the party. They just do a stand-up. So, um, you know, either they're a team that, that are following an agile process and have just regressed in their stand-ups or, um, you know, their team following a more waterfall process and just doing a, a daily team meeting. Mm. Um, if it's if it's the second one, then, you know, just let them carry on. Let them carry on. Um, help help, help them ask them if they'd like some help <laughs> and some coaching. Um, maybe request that they use the, the word agile. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Iterative is fine. Don't um, tarnish our good name. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, yeah, uh, go have a look and see if you can help them. That, that sounds very good and actually parking some issues or subjects during the stand-ups will, will definitely be of help. Uh, another thing that I've noticed so far is that um, this change that we are trying to, to, to take on people and adapt to Scrum to solve uh, problems is uh, also having an issue within uh, team leads, for instance. Sometimes we, we, we've encountered uh, situations where a team lead uh, uses a stand-up not for the stand-up intention, but for a uh, team meeting. So we have a team lead that's trying to do everything and micromanage uh, instead of, of just trying to, to do the simple thing that it, it's ahead. And I guess that my perspective there or, or the issue that I see there is that the change to take effect has to come uh, from high to low. No, no, it cannot go uh, from from the developer to the team lead, and that that's not the way to, to scrum to me. Yeah, so within Agile, we, we don't have a, a role called team lead. You know? um, we have product owners slash mm. product managers, um, we have stakeholders, we have developers or team members, and we have a scrum master. Um, there's no role called people manager, no role called team lead, no, no, that hierarchy is is the thing that we, we remove. Um, Often an organisation will have a, a people leader or a people manager or um, a um, custodian, right? Some pastoral care, somebody that looks after their leave and their, you know, their performance reviews if, if that's mandatory within the organisation. But within an agile team, um, there is no role of team lead. So when that rolls within the hierarchy, um, it's difficult for them because they're used to a traditional way of working and. They have to become more of a, a servient leader rather than um, a micromanager. Um, so, yeah, the key thing is, as a scrum master, um, if somebody takes over any of the ceremonies 
for a purpose that <clears throat> they're not designed for. You just got to shut it down, bring back the 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 kind of bring the team back to what the ceremony's about. Um, because if you don't, what happens is you'll start hearing the teams talking about too many meetings, because they go from ceremonies that have value. Um, you know, they're not they're not getting feedback because it's not really a retrospective. They're not improving their process because it's not really a retrospective. They're not making their planning processes uh, faster when they go into the sprint planning because their backlog grooming is not actually grooming the stories. Um, <clears throat> their demo day is not showing the value they've added because it's been hijacked. So. The team will start to find those those ceremonies don't have value, right, and start complaining about it purely because they've been hijacked. Um, so my suggestion is, yeah, get the team leads to um, understand two things: they can run their own team meetings for pastoral care, um, and when the sprint uh, the stand up happens, they're in the second row of the circle because they're not part of the development team, they're not part of the scrum team. Uh, they stand at the back and they listen. Uh, they're not at the front and they don't talk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing is you've obviously had a turnover across the, the different people in the organisation. Um, so the new people that come on haven't been through any of the, the training. So maybe mm -hmm. actually put together some, some more um, refresher modules and, and take the new people as a group through and just reiterate what the ceremonies are, what their purposes are, how they work. Um, that way you're kind of starting off in a positive way by saying, hey, let's just, about time we did a refresher, and yeah. then see if the behaviour changes. And if not, then you have to put your, your scrum master boots on and uh, start protecting the team. Yeah, and it's also um, easy to assume that when people say that they've already worked in Agile, that they haven't just been a part of a morning stand-up and haven't gone through these ceremonies that Agile has, the backlog grooming. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to people that have said, yeah, I'm doing Agile at the moment, but they're actually just having that morning stand-up. And that's that's the kind of um, misconception that's out there, I think, that Agile is just that morning stand-up. So, um, so it's easy to assume that when people say that they've got experience in Agile, that they, you know, that they have gone through all of the stuff that we, we do. So... Yeah, another, another interesting thing that I've, I've noticed... Uh, so far is that um, what you mentioned already that we were trying to work on sprints but there are also waterfall projects around and resources are scattered and you always get to that dogfight right for the resources and that's kind of another challenge that I see within the organization is that uh, you have this very very important thing that needs to get done but uh, this waterfall project keeps taking people away from you and then there's also the hierarchy that we mentioned before that the the team lead now not from the scrum perspective but from actually from their hierarchy are taking resources away from you uh, and I guess that um, there's also a need for, for, for anyone that wants to do Agile or Scrum is that you need to be ready to, to be in a fight for resources I guess. Um, so one of the, the core behaviours for Scrum is there's a team and the team are doing a sprint of a certain period of time uh, and that team is dedicated to that sprint. Um, if that's not the way the organisation is behaving then Scrum probably isn't the right agile approach for them. Mm. Um, you may want to move to more of a Kanban or a, or a Lean type, probably actually a Kanban um, approach but still retaining some of the ceremonies from Scrum that add value. But it becomes difficult because what you're saying is, you know, you're going to hold people accountable for delivering something in a certain, you know, uh, amount of time. 
once they've committed. But once they've made their commitment, you're going to reserve the right to take you know half their time off them and give it to somebody else. And that causes two problems. Uh, first of all, there's the whole time switching. You know, what people don't understand or don't recognise and what Scrum try, uh, helps to fix is this idea that if I'm doing thing more than one task, you know, I start defocusing that, that's, that mental challenge of moving from task A to task B and back again um, means I lose a hell of a lot of time. Which is why with Scrum, you know, you take one task off the sprint backlog and you bring it onto the board and, and you work on it until you've completed it. Um, the second thing is then they're probably not going to be part of the planning process for that those other projects, right? So they're not going to understand the vision or, or the intent of the project. They're not forming a team. They're not seeing the estimations and, and the dependencies across the, the tasks or the stories they need to do. Um, and if, you, if they're running in waterfall behaviour, they're going to spend a hell of a lot of time up front doing a whole lot of requirements gathering which they would have forgotten by the time they finally get to a development or they'll be handed requirements that they can't actually develop from because they're used to defining the requirements and the development as one go. So you know, typically the answer is if you say to somebody, I have a sprint team and I'm going to let half their time be given to a waterfall project as well as running the sprint, the answer typically is just no. Mm. However, you need to actually have a business agility. You know, you need the business and the and the the senior people within the organisation to actually commit to behaving in an agile way and not let that waterfall and agile behaviour happen. And again, that's hard. It is hard, and we've found that um, out of the th- three or four things that we're doing at the moment, there are there are a hybrid of Scrum, waterfall, um, Kanban. Um, Yes, yeah, so we've actually got waterfall projects that have come to us and asked for resources and we've said, well, only if we can run that as a scrum so that we'll take the, um, take the requirements from the, from the agile, uh, from the um, waterfall project and build a team and deliver, deliver that. And that seems to be working okay. It's not ideal. We've also got a couple of things we're building, a couple of click apps that are being done as as Kanban with with ceremonies, so uh, we've got a developer that's um, cooped away in the corner building the app. We don't talk to him every every day, but we get together once a week and and we will do the stand up. You know the what what are you doing? What have you done this week? What are you doing next week? That sort of thing, and regular contact with the product owner is really important if you're going to have that sort of a hybrid setup. Um, and happy to say that we've got a proper sprint up and running which is almost like you know it's like hallelujah I'm back (laughs) I'm back to what I enjoy so that will give me a chance to refresh running a retrospective you know doing the backlog grooming um, keeping the product owner involved on a daily basis Um, so yeah it's a a little bit of a best fit scenario that we're running it's not an agile house 100% but I guess it's a small shop as well, so we have to accept it. And we've got demanding customers. <laughs> Who needs customers? <laughs> My job would be so much easier if I didn't have customers. How many times has that been said? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Famous words of agile. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, and I guess that everything you have said so far applies perfectly to, to our situation. And I guess that tying everything together, it's all about... Uh, not losing your mind through the process because uh, if you look at the big picture we are working in a government organization where um, they are used to other things 
and this is part of a bigger change and you need to be constant and help people throughout that change and it won't be overnight it probably will take more than a few years but at least uh, I guess in my mind I can rest in peace in terms that uh, we're going in the right direction and I guess eventually we will have that kind of structure that we're looking for and, and being more agile, efficient and effective. Uh, so that's, that's my perspective of, of what's the situation at the time mm. and where we're aiming to get eventually. So I'll, I'll just tell a quick story about, um, I'll, I'll elaborate more on the um, waterfall project coming to us and asking for resources and, and us saying, Yes, you can, but we're going to run it as a sprint. Um, we're going to run a demo day. Um, and the shock that I received when I said that I'm not going to give a committee a full report of progress and um, almost a Gantt chart, um, the look of horror on, on the product owner's face that they couldn't, they didn't have a, this bit of paper with tasks that would be meaningless to high management, but looks good. They're not going to have that in their arsenal to go to their manager to justify us doing it agile. Um, yeah, that, that took a bit of getting used to from them, um, but I think that that's part of the learning process that if you're going to come and um, engage with us and ask for things to be built quickly and properly, that, hey, you're not going to get this progress reporting in a, in a PowerPoint presentation. We're going to do a demo day for you. We're going to show you the stuff we've done and you're going to bring along the stakeholders that you think um, need to know, and we're going to show you. We're not going to fill out the report. So it's like, wow, really, Blair? I'm not going to get this um, progress report. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's the hard one when you're working in a, in a project-orientated um, organisation. One thing I've found is, is that often I've tried that same approach, and um, the adoption in the organisation has become difficult because of it. Um, so what I tend to do now is to do uh, kind of a, a product roadmap, yeah? So maybe taking the epics uh, and mapping those out for with some t-shirt size estimation of what a release might look like. So starting to introduce the concept of release planning to say, we're going to do a release on this date. This is what we think may make it into that release in terms of epics or maybe features. Um, we're not going to commit to any lower level of detail because as we all know, it's not until we've done the work that we know how long it's actually taking. Um, but we're giving them more of a, a some form of, of map that gives them some confidence we're working towards. What will happen is, is especially when there's no business agility, uh, becomes a hammer, mm -hmm. right? Um, they will start using that as, as a Gantt chart with milestones that you've promised, uh, and you will run into that, but that, again, then you just hold the line, which is, that's not the way we work. Mm -hmm. What we've given you is, is a guess, like any guess, um, but it's based on a, you know, on a series of releases, which are made up of a series of sprints, which we have done some very high level estimates of what the epics or features may be able to deliver in that. Um, and then that way at least you're communicating with them this roadmap and it moves. When you do that, you've got to be really careful that they don't baseline the roadmap. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's and they my, start asking that's my fear. You, yeah, and as soon as they and start asking you to tell you why it's changed, and, and you know, the only answer you can ever give is change is constant. Every time I give you the, the, the next roadmap with, you know, the plan, it's probably going to change because we've learned a whole lot and we've done some things that we expected to do and we have not done some things that we'd hoped to do. Um, so, yes, it, it will change. 
I'm just going to give you the, the updated version. I'm never, you know, I will not go back and actually tell you the, what the differences are because that doesn't have value, right? Um, we'd rather spend value actually developing and delivering something that works. Yeah. But it is a hard one. Yeah, you've sort of given me an idea of um, where I could go with this and that's, um, so we're going to have a demo day at the end of every sprint um, and we're going to produce, uh, show what we've produced during that three-week um, time block. Um, I could present that as a PowerPoint and then throw it to the guys to present what, you know, I could have bullet points on what we've achieved so yep. far in this in this sprint. Show them at the actual documentation artifacts, data warehouse tables, um, testing scripts. Actually, show them that, and then have a slide on what we're going to do, what we're trying to do next. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that might that might keep the people happy. I mean, one of the techniques I've seen that looked successful was this idea of a press release. So think of yourself as a product company, you know, Apple, when you're launching the latest iPhone. This idea that you know, at the end of the of the iteration, you produce a, a very short press release that says, "Hey, this is what we've actually done, uh, and this is what we think we plan to do next." Um, you know, with the provisos, they always have that. You know, it's a future forward-looking statement, and you can't be held accountable for doing that if, mm. if another priority turns up. Um, but if you treat it like that, it becomes a, a way of communicating. Um, that, you know, I often think of marketing material press releases are good ways of communicating. So adopting some of those templates for agile yeah. means we're having the right kind of communication rather than a project plan or a task list or an estimate. Um, and again, you know, as we all know, as soon as you start publishing velocity, uh, any kind of concept of points and velocity, people will start using that into estimates and guarantees of delivery with this many people. Yeah. Um, so again, with all the techniques we use to make ourselves healthy and successful, they can all be used as hammers against us. And, yeah. And, and so I introduced um, some new product owners to the um, concept of points. Mm -hmm. So we, we went around and we um, sized up a lot of these jobs um, with using the poker cards. Um, and I think the, the great value out of that exercise is actually um, when you get a disparity between scoring and, and we found that, that you actually delve into the, um, into the actual task and someone might not understand how much work's involved and um, found that really valuable. Yeah, and again, it's one of the challenges of doing data projects is if you're doing a website development, you know, you know there's a, a bit of config, you know there's a couple of web pages, there's some text, you, you know what the patterns are, right? You, you can repeat them, you can estimate them because you're pretty much rinse and repeating the same pattern every time. With data, we're not at that stage yet, you know, we're still we have a lot of patterns that don't exist so yeah. often the team just have to sit down and, and work through together to say well if I'm going to produce that what are the steps I need to take um, and then once you get good at that you can move into what's the concept of basis of estimates where you actually start bringing out the patterns themselves and say well if we need to go and produce this report uh, from a source system where we don't actually have access to that source system, here's the standard things we need to do. You know, we need to get access to the system. We know that takes a period of time. We need to, um, you know, actually import the metadata. So there's a whole bunch of series of, of patterns that they can mm. reuse over time, but it takes a while for the team to get to that level. Yeah, so we we found that we do have um, repeatable tasks um, at the start and at the end of each development. So you've got the vision workshop, you've got the um, the wireframes that we, we know kind of how long they take and how much effort they 
they they involve, and we we know the deployment process. You know, we mm-hmm. know that we have to go to CAB, we have to get this signed off. It has to go into each environment and get tested. So it's that those green fields in between that really um, you struggle because it's the first time you've done a lot of this stuff. You struggle to actually give the business a you know a good estimate of mm-hmm. how long it's going to take. And that's the challenge. Yep, it's a challenge that we all have when we when we do agile with BI. Yeah, but to me, it's not, it's not only about the agile. Uh, it's it's also about um, cutting a little bit of the anxiety, because even if we look at project management traditional uh, bases, uh, you always plan, and then you advance in the project. You have new information, and you update that plan, and that completely iterates all along the project. And that will change tasks, that will change critical paths, that will change dates. Uh, so to me, the whole uh, fixation on having a nice plan in a sheet of paper always is more in some people's minds than actual work. Uh, so no, I completely agree. And, and, and it, I would love a world where that's not needed, but we, we're still going through that change. <laughs> yeah, so part of the journey. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay, well that's great to talk to Juan. I know we talk every day, but um, it's not every day you get recorded <laughs> and and it gets used in your performance review. Oh, that would <laughs> no, be great. No, no, only joking. Hey, it's been fun. Um, we'll catch up again and we'll um, cover some other gritty, agile topics. That sounds great. Uh, thank you a lot for having me. This has been uh, really fun and I hope to be here again. Thank you both. All right, talk All right. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to another podcast from Blair and Shane, where we discuss all things Agile BI. For more podcasts and resources, please go to agilebi.guru.